You're not seeing double. Race Fuels is at both Phillip Island Grand Prix circuit and Sydney Motorsport Park this weekend. We'll be trackside for the popular Phillip Island Classic and we're in Sydney for the AMRS round under lights. We make racing fuel easy. Set up an account for our major events or let us hook you up with next day delivery to your workshop. For now, it's on to the latest Parked Up podcast. Powered by Race Fuels. coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Welcome back to the Parked Up Podcast, episode 47. We're powered by Race Fuels. My name's Grant Rowley. I'm joined as always by Tony Delberto and the Repco Supercars Championship is officially underway. Round one is in the can and Tony D, Shane Van Gisbergen continued that great winning form from the Bathurst 1000 that he had in October. And he's gone on to take two wins. You weren't there. I was there. I was representing. What do you think of the weekend? It was great to watch on TV. It was exciting uh, to get some racing back on our screens and to see some of our favorite teams and drivers uh, smashing it out around uh, Bathurst, literally smashing it out in some cases. Mm -hmm. Uh, The actions kicked off very quickly in practice one with Will Brown finding the wall, unfortunately, big old shunt to start the weekend. But yeah, great to see the cars back on track. And the track looked very slippery and very greasy, which I know you want to have a chat about. But uh, just looking back on some of the predictions we made before the weekend, some were right, some were way off. Yeah, we had a few a few that were way off uh, last episode. We had a very good response to our Bathurst preview, maybe because people used uh, their time to drive to the circuit to, uh, to listen to our pod. Actually got some really good feedback as well. Listen to this. Good. I saw good. Roland Dane on Thursday and he drove from Brisbane down to the Mount Panorama circuit. And he said he listened to all of the Bathurst preview pods. And I think there's about three or four, definitely four. And he said ours was the best. (laughs) High praise from the top end of pit lane. Almost the top end of pit lane. That's great that he's actually tuned into it. He's actually knows what our pod is all about. So thank you very much, Mr. Roland Dane. I think he was just interested to hear uh, how far Fogues was going to uh, slam some of his various uh, rivals or even his own team. (laughs) And uh, he said that, uh, yeah, Fogues was definitely the standout performer, despite the birds tweeting in the background. (laughs) Yeah, so um, Shane Van Gisbergen, for sure, absolute number one. Like the guy really, really crushed him. It took a bit of team strategy in that second race for him to get the job done there over Cam Waters. And and again, it was like the Bathurst 1000 form guide laid over straight to this first round, exactly the same circuit. But really the three teams that finished on the podium, the three cars that finished on the podium were the three fastest cars over the course of the weekend. And uh, and just beyond that, the, the DJR shell cars, they were kind of next best. And I know uh, Will Davison took a very good podium in that Saturday race, but that effectively came after uh, Cam Waters didn't finish with um, with his mechanical drama there. So, yeah, it was a the Bathurst 1000 was the excellent form guide, but like a couple of big, big, big surprises. And Tim Slade is surely 
the one who, unfortunately, we're going to remember him ultimately for smashing that wall down at the elbow. Mm. But prior to that, he'd done absolutely everything right. Did an amazing job. And to think uh, our prediction for the weekend was going to be maybe mid-pack, uh, mixing it with some of the Tickford cars, maybe, you know, where LeBrock sort of slotted in and, and JC maybe. But, dude, the guy uh, put on the front row put on the front row for the first race of the year in the shootout. I mean, an amazing job by those guys. The car looked really good on track. And to think he was only, you know, a couple of tenths off Cameron Waters, who has so much experience in those cars and, and probably a lot of the setup philosophy is around Cameron now. He acclimatized really quickly and was doing an awesome job. You, you know, I mean, you could tell like he didn't quite get a great start in the first race and Maybe some little things like that, you know, once he gets into a few more races, he's going to be a lot more in tune with those sort of things. But yeah, I was absolutely gutted for him when, uh, you know, at the end of the day, he he tried to downshift uh, and you downshift back to second gear um, just before you duck around to the elbow there. And uh, he's gone to grab a gear, thought he got a neutral. And, and sometimes it does feel like you don't quite get it into gear. So he's, gone again and it's actually selected first gear and just compression lock the rear and he had no chance absolutely no chance and he's he's fired the thing into the fence and just the uh, speed and velocity the car hit the wall i mean obviously it looked just like Chaz's crash a few years ago not quite yeah. as severe mm. but it was a big old shunt i mean i reckon uh, i haven't spoken with tim since he since the weekend but i'm sure He's a little bit bruised and battered after hitting the wall at that speed. Um, at the time, he probably had a lot of adrenaline going on and you know, it didn't affect him so much, but now everything's finished and the weekend's over. I reckon he'll be pretty sore and sorry for himself. I guess the question is now that he doesn't get to use that chassis for the next event at Sandown, he'll be put into the team spare. Will they be able to continue that momentum with that new car, do you think they'll be cramped a little on the back foot? Like it was one of the great tales to see this single car private entry. I know they look, they've got great equipment. They've got a very, very strong driver and an excellent engineering and team management base. So, you know, all the ingredients are, are there to do it, but still against the odds as that private concern, yeah. do you think the new chassis is going to just you know pull the handbrake up on those miracles that we were seeing i think it's definitely gonna take their focus off and it's going to be a busy turnaround i don't know what um stage that car's at but obviously the blanchards are are spending the money in in the right areas the car looked absolutely immaculate but to to be able to put a team together like that and to actually come out of the block so strong was bloody impressive you know i hope i really hope it wasn't just one of those moments where it's it's you know you roll the car out and it's absolutely perfect don't touch it you know just just run a rag over it you know i hope that you know all the intelligence they've got behind the team have actually put an input in and that's why they got their result because sometimes you know you get a result you don't understand why and it's almost worse than understanding why you're down the back of the field if you know what i mean so Mm. uh, let's hope they can you know turn the car around quickly refocus you know even though tim had the shunt his confidence has got to be sky high you know it really does it it proved that he can after a year out of the seat he's back in a full-time seat he's mixing it at the front of the field 
He didn't look out of place whatsoever. It didn't even look like he'd missed a race. So it was really, really cool to see. And I think he's almost a fan favorite already. The amount of people that felt gutted for him and um, were barracking for the team. I, I noticed they put out today, you can get merchandise, the Blanchard Racing Team merchandise. I thought, man, I might have to get a hat. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Support the cause. Hey, look, we've got another great episode of the Parked Up podcast, and we'll go through some of um, the uh, hits and misses, I guess, of the opening round. But the one thing that I wanted to mention was that I was obviously at the circuit, and uh, we there was quite a few people who came up and and talked about our pod. So uh, mm. I thought that was uh, that was really good. And some people who I'd never met before who uh, came and tapped me on the shoulder and and said that I'm amazing and um, <laughs> that uh, obviously I hold up the whole show and Tony does a good yeah. supporting act. So that uh, they didn't say any of that, oh. but um, yeah, the uh, the some of those comments, as small as they are, were were nice to hear. Oh, we definitely appreciate the support. And I think we are getting a little bit more support out there. So that's that's nice. But I thought you were going to talk, when you spoke about hits and misses, oh. I thought you were going to talk about your road trip on the way home, oh, mate. Oh, man. <clears throat> mate. You have to tell the listeners, just, just to fill everyone in, it's 9 o'clock on Monday night. Generally, we, rec- we record at probably 4 o'clock. Why were you running so late today, Grant? What? Well, I had to drive. I had to drive home from Bathurst. I had to drive home from Bathurst. Doesn't take that long. Let's put that out there. What time did you leave? Well, we left at six thirty, knowing that I wanted to try and get to our usual sort of four four thirty kickoff for a pod, and I was we were well and truly on track. So when you uh, say we, who who we talking about? I my little duck man who uh, who works for me. He works at Team Eighteen with uh, Charlie Schwerkold and the Irwin and Dewalt boys. He was uh, he was traveling up with me, and he did the uh, the first stint in the car, in my the mighty Nissan Qashqai on the way home, and um, uh, yeah, we just had a uh, little minor fender bender on the uh, on the oh, way home. So you had um, you had a shunt. Yeah. Well, shunt sounds so big, and it wasn't big. It was I reckon it was probably um, ten to fifteen kilometers per hour. It it uh, and you, you know what it's like. It's completely in slow motion, but. She's uh, she's pierced the old radiator and had a bunch of green fluid pouring out the front. So I thought we better not go any further. It must have been fairly decent if you had to ditch the car and hitch uh, a ride home. Luck, <laughs> luckily, the buddy, the race fuel guys were coming through. Yeah, now of course Mate, the first, they saved first, your bacon. First people you call when you're in trouble, and they were they were coming through uh, a little a little bit after us. So, uh, yep, we chucked uh, all of our stuff into the back of. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the great race fuels Colorado that you'll see at, at uh, various racetracks around the country, helping all the race teams stay fueled up for their racing adventures and got back on the road. And man, I'll tell you, the biggest pain was the, you, you, I spent like three hours on the phone to the insurance companies going through or ins- our insurance company tidying it all up so that was probably the uh the the biggest sort of you know in, inconvenience of the of the entire thing not to mention that one of um one of my family's cars is now stuck in cowra not uh, in my driveway at home oh yeah by the way do you have a spare car that i could borrow maybe for the next five weeks or so we, we might have to talk to justin at honda see if we can get you a crv or something for a couple of weeks <laughs> 
Well, I might need so, especially for uh, for Phillip Island. I can't leave the family without, uh, yeah, without without a car. And I know that you won't want to wait because I'll I'll stay down at Phillip Island forever, finishing off all the stuff I've got to mm. finish off. You as soon as your race is done, you'll be gone, you'll be ducking out of there. I'll be gone. So it's been an eventful day then. And <clears> and then to cap it off, <laughs> you had to sit next to the duck man who just crashed your car the uh, whole could, way. There's no way I and could. And you be. rang every person that would listen <laughs> and told them the story. The poor bloke had to listen to the story 25 times. Nah, nah, and nah. each time it got a little bit more extravagant. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I had to peel him out of the car. It was on fire. Yep. No, 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 can't, uh, it, it wasn't his fault. I asked him to, it obviously was his it fault. It was his fault. And I hate him. No, no, <laughs> um, no he, uh, everyone makes uh, little errors. I'm, I'm obviously not myself. I'm pretty perfect, but um, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what? No it's, good, it's just life. It's just life and you just move on. It's a, I'd say it's a bunch of metal, but then when I had a look at the car, most of the damage is all plastic. After the front of these cars are all plastic bits. So yeah, we'll get some, get some new ones. The, uh, the old insurance will, will cover it and so move on to the next the one. Proce- what's the process now? You're going to pick it up in a few weeks when we go back for TCR? No, 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 no. They're going to, insurance company have been kind enough to take it, bring it back down here to Melbourne to get fixed. So right. maybe maybe uh, some Phil Monday action just around the corner from, uh, oh, from my go. house. So that, that'll, Free uh, plug. that'll that'll work out well. Free repair. We love the, uh, we, we love the uh, Phil Mondays. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll see. Anyway. We'll figure it right. out. If anyone's got some spare keys, spare wheels hanging around that uh, wouldn't mind having uh, <laughs> me and my, my family mess up for a couple of weeks, and uh, please, please DM us, DM me. Um, hey, let, right. let, let's uh, let's get back to talking about uh, some of the action that happened prior to my action coming home. The Shell V Power team, the mm. team that you've been associated with for the past five years in your co-driver role, they were kind of exactly where they were at the Bathurst One Thousand, just just outside those, those top couple mm. for 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 the win, but. They they were there ish on speed. Anton De Pasquale was faster than Will Davo, which again uh, rang true for our preview that we did last week. Shaded Will in in the qualifying, uh, but when it came to the races, Will was able to get a podium on the Saturday. Um, but uh, Anton got got back on top and and finished in fourth on the Sunday. So yeah, again. The form just reflected where they were at the 1,000. Do you think that's a good sign that they sat where they sat here and when they go to, you know, the next few events, they'll be able to pick up that mantle where where Scotty Mack had the cars at, at these other tracks in, in the next few months? I think it was a pretty positive weekend for DJR. We, I know at the 1,000, the cars weren't uh, amazing. They were good. And we, we were sort of the next bunch of cars, but we, we didn't quite have the pace of you know, Van Geers, Waters and Chaz in, uh, in, in the actual 1000. And that sort of seemed to be what the weekend was all about. Really. They were just a little bit off those guys and we're talking tenths of seconds, but I actually thought the first weekend for Anton and Will uh, with the team still learning the cars, I potentially think they've actually made a little bit of a gain and got a little bit closer than what they were at the 1000. 
but just not quite enough yet. So hopefully going to some more competitive circuits for the team, you know, they can just bridge that gap a little bit. But interestingly though, the track for me was very different than the 1000. And uh, we saw a lot of cars looking really taily across the weekend uh, lap times were fairly slow, I thought, you know, like uh, there was that morning session where they got into the fours, but um, they were really, really struggling to to produce those sort of lap times. And in the race, man, they were like sevens and eights, which, you know, I would have thought they would have been quicker than that, um, considering, you know, you got the, the full-time driver in there and they were going as hard as they could in, you know, 250k race which is basically a sprint race for those guys Mm. um though they weren't really uh, holding back so yeah the track for me temperature wise was hot different time of the year it looked dusty offline i think that's why we saw so many guys making little errors so yeah i I don't know whether you know the setup of the cars really translate that much i think they would have gone there with a very similar setup to the bathurst 1000 but then you know who sort of adjusted quicker I think uh, would have got on top of it because we did see a few surprises, you know, someone like a Mark Winterbottom, we didn't expect to be, you know, fourth and fifth. Um, we were, were you know, hoping they're going to be in the 10, but I think that exceeded their expectations. So yeah, tricky little track. And uh, I think it caught a few people out. People I don't like think BJR, I've ever heard, I don't think I've heard anyone call it a little track. Tricky, sorry, a tr- tricky, tricky, yes. tricky track. Right. Um, tricky conditions i should say uh but it definitely caught some people out i mean like the likes of bjr uh, were probably a bit further off the pace than what i expected um but even you know guys that were in the top 10 there was still a fair old chunk of time to that top five group um you know we've seen seven or eight tenths which you know isn't really what we normally see but it just proved to me the track was really tricky not not a tricky little track, Grant. It was mm-hmm. just a tricky conditions yep. uh, for those guys. And uh, yeah, I think if they went to the Bathurst 1000 with those conditions, with a year of racing under their belt, they'd probably handle a little bit better. But going to the first event of the year with no group and you know such a daunting circuit, it was certainly an eye-opener for a lot of people. The team that really stood out for me, obviously, just below Red Bull Racing and and the 97 Shane Van Gisbergen car was Chaz Mostert and the Walkinshaw and Dreddy United team. Bryce Fullwood uh, did, did an exceptional job, particularly in Saturday's race, had a really good really good run at it. And he's actually sitting seventh in, in the championship. So he started off really well. Chaz is second in the points. And, you know, when they come to these uh, circuits that, you know, potentially a little bit more friendly to the WAU cars, you know, they could be taking some points off Van Gears and the like down the track. So I think uh, I think they're going to have a real big crack at this last year of this generation of car. You know, maybe we some teams might take the foot off the throttle. Mm. WAU, with all the stuff they've done in the off-season and, and some of the recruits and a brand new car for Chaz, they're they're laying down the gauntlet. They are not going to let the Red Bull team take this one out easy, I wouldn't think. Speaking of Red Bull, though, I was really interested to see the difference in lap time between Shane and Jamie. Jamie just didn't look comfortable out there. Did you get a chance to catch up with him like I asked no, you to? No, yeah, you did. <laughs> you did. You did. 
Uh, and yeah, uh, he, you're exactly right. He, he didn't look as comfortable. Uh, and look, I'm not sure why. And, and, and I haven't read a, a great deal of uh, reports since the end of the weekend. And, and maybe some of that will, will come out. But yeah, he just wasn't wasn't quite there. It's, look, he's got a 102-point deficit now to Fengiz, mm. so that's a um, that's a, a a bit of chunk. But you know, there's a lot of racing to go, so mm. uh, let's let's not write it off, man. That what a hard joint to have as your first event. Like we always talk mm. about the Adelaide 500 being a, a difficult way to start the championship. No more challenging circuit than that little track up there over that um, tiny hill at central west new south wales who else who else stood out for you team 18 mark winterbottom he's third in the title scott pies down in 12th but they look pretty damn good yeah they did look good i mean scotty didn't have a good uh first race he got tangled at the start <laughs> it was two or three of them side by side going up into the cutting and yeah it just didn't turn out that so well for scotty unfortunately got damaged that first lap but his actual pace in the race after he got that fixed and got back out there was really strong and you know i thought frost did a really good job especially in race two when he came out between the two djr cars um, he managed to pull a gap on will and and stay fairly close to anton um so they obviously had some pace on board no doubt about it and they, they he qualified well which i thought was was really impressive so and to qualify in front of Jamie as well in very similar equipment shows that the the team's doing a nice job there. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully you can uh, keep up the the good work. And I mean, like what what we said in the preview, consistency has been tricky for those boys. Maybe maybe they found some consistency, and, and let's hope they can. Yeah, if they can get a sand down in the next round, the next round, and and keep punching up there, then they obviously found that consistency they need and um, away they go. And they could be a championship contender, you know, top five, top three um, to win the championship is going to be a big old effort, but mm. um, he started the year on a, on the, on a strong foot. And, and that just builds confidence, not only with Mark, but also the team around him. The other two teams that we should talk about Kelly Grove racing and Erebus motorsport, both had little spots of imp- mm. impressiveness uh, they also had spots of big question marks as well. The Kelly guys took basically the whole weekend to figure it out. By the time they got to Sunday, they were inside the top 10. Uh, and now both of them sit 8th and 10th. Uh, Reynolds in 8th and Andre Heimgartner 10th in the championship. So, you know, they're, they're kind of there. Uh, mm. Brody Kostecki for the Erebus team is 11th and... Uh, Will Brown is a, a, a bit further down in 17th, as you said at the very top of the show. Will had a, a very difficult, a, you know, a bit of an embarrassing start. Such a simple mistake through the dipper, but heavy, heavy consequences. But mm. Brody was really, really impressive as well. You know, maybe a couple of errors had crept into his sprint race debut, but I think there was enough to see that they're going to be able to, you know, possibly pop up for a couple of results here and there yeah, when things are going right. Definitely. And I think uh, those Erebus cars look better than what they have been, uh, especially the back end of last year. So, yeah, Brody, I think, was impressive. You know, he he was fast, um, got into the shootout in his first attempt, you know, as a, as a main series driver. And uh, probably on Sunday, didn't quite have the pace that, that we saw earlier in the weekend. And I thought Will, to be honest, like, 
you know, to have some reasonable race runs, you know, he was just outside that top 10 for most of the time. He's still pretty impressive considering it's his first main series sprint race. Hmm. You know, he definitely no slouch out there. And that would have knocked his confidence out shut. And, um, you know, they're saying the car was basically patched up, you know, because it was so badly damaged. And I can believe that. But just, just the onboard vision, the way it hit that right-hand wall was just incredible. And, and just, just to put, you know, people in the driver's seat for a second, coming down through the dipper there, you are guessing where that inside wall is. You, you really can't see because it drops away from you. Um, often you use the photographers as almost like a bit of a guide down the dipper. So, you know, you sort of get as close as you can, as close as you can. And, and the way that you sort of feel how close you are is how much the car uh, or how long the car's in the air for. And obviously he's just turned in a little bit early, but if you watch the vision, he got a little bit wide through the right hander before he turned into the dipper. So he's sort of gathering it up through the right hander, had to turn in a bit early and it's probably turned a bit sooner than he thought. And he's just clipped that inside wall and he was a passenger from there on in. So you don't have a lot of vision there and I can exact, I can see exactly what, he, what he's done. And I sympathize with him because it is, would be so easy to do. It's unbelievably easy to do. So um, yeah. And you are just a passenger, uh, unfortunately, but I thought he rebounded pretty well and mm. he would just get stronger again. Yep. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I feel sorry for the Erebus team who had to work all the way through the night. And I think, you know, almost every, every longstanding supercars, mechanic or team member mm. has probably had to pull one or two of those during their career. I think about the poor BJR guys, they probably had to pull three or four of those over the, uh, over the, over the time. Speaking of BJR though, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a shocker of a start, unfortunately for those guys. I mean, I, I don't know what happened, but they seem to have these engine gremlins, um, which just seems so strange to start the year. You know, you generally have fresh engine, you know, the car's been fully serviced. You just wouldn't expect to have these little glitches. And to see Nick Percat, you know, to begin with, out of qualifying, qualifying one, you know, rolling back down pit lane because his car's conked out, you know, really disappointing for the yep. boys. And yeah. I think Macca had the same problem in another session and they were just in the wars. I think uh, the big story for Nick Percat was his big cut lip. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, sliced and diced it. It's had a big chunk taken out of it. Actually, speaking of, and the re, I got to speak to Nick just briefly over the weekend, and um, yeah, he had a big chunk taken out of his lip. Apparently, he was doing a interview or was about to do an interview with Garth Tander on air, and Garth said, uh, "You better just wipe yourself up," and because he had blood pouring out of his face, oh. so. That was a uh, that was an absolute doozy. But um, look, this is uh, episode forty-seven of the Parked Up podcast, everyone's favourite podcast that's powered by the race fuels. It's guaranteed. I guarantee it. Now, the the number forty-seven for me holds a, a very significant um, place in my racing world. Because that was the number that I used for my go karting, all of all the way through any cart that I'd entered uh, entered myself, or the, the cart that Dad and I had put on put onto the grid. And when I say Dad and I, I mean that Dad actually put it on the grid because all I did was make sure I had my suit, boots, gloves, and helmet, and, and away I go. He pretty much did everything else. But I, I thought it made me think about uh, numbers and and uh, why people select numbers. So. 
I grabbed my microphone and went up and down and spoke to basically whoever was willing to to talk to me. And uh, yeah, I think I grabbed eight or nine of uh, some little chats with some with some people. So Tony, my number was forty seven. Now the reason I picked forty seven was is very is, is convoluted and is probably a bit of a boring story. So I'll go through it as quickly as I can. But I was I always liked the number four for some reason. I was born on the fourteenth, so four was kind of always something I felt was uh, part of my DNA. And our longtime listeners will know that I love the the old tricky Dicky Johnson, Dicky J, and uh, he was of course number seventeen. So I kind of combined those two things and and came up with with forty seven, and that was uh, just the uh, number that was on my cart. It's the number that ends my um, phone number. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. it's it's just kind of a um, credit card. Not no, not the credit card. You just get get given those numbers. It's the total uh, dollars that sit in my bank account. <laughs> um, <laughs> not after today. Uh, no, that's right. She was just in the negatives now. So look, your number as a uh, as a youngster was uh, was number nine, mm. and uh, you, you raced in development series with with 99 um now yeah why why that number for you well originally my dad and his brothers they owned some very very cool walkinshaw cars and the build number of all those walkinshaw cars was triple three so three 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 you know equals nine mm-hmm. um so yeah, we'd, I decided uh, number nine was going to be my go-kart number and it just sort of stuck with me and I've, I've had 99 um, in DVS. I think I had 33 there for a little bit in go-karts as well because my uncle used to race a little Datsun 240Z just in local state stuff mm-hmm. um, and he was number 33. So we've just sort of had this three affiliation and I've, I've been number three as well in supercars. I was number three. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that, that was a that was rec related, but a little bit of a mm. co- coincidence though. That, yeah, yep. So yeah, cool. I, yeah I, I don't know that that that's there was a little bit of um, uh, reason behind it all, but I haven't been that um, sentimental about it. Put it that way. Mm. And now in your uh, Honda Civic Type R, you're number fifty, mm. which uh, which represented the fiftieth anniversary of Honda in Australia, but uh, you didn't go. So we're obviously one year past that now. Two well, years two now. Two so years past. 52. So you should be running 52. <laughs> that was a good idea of yours though. Thank you. you. Up with that. My, uh, my little contribution. Poor old uh, Wally. Like he submitted the entry. I think, I, I don't know what number I got. I think it was 38. Cause that's, that's what Wally's that's number Wally's is. Number. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, no, no worries, whatever. And then you're like, nah, you got to go 50. So then he had to ring up, re-enter, redo it all. <laughs> I blamed it all on you. That's all right. I get. I've been blamed for worse, don't you? Worry. <laughs> so, so just a lot looking- of drivers though, they <laughs> do try and hold on to their number. They do uh, see it as a sentimental thing or a superstitious thing when they go racing, and they hmm. they you know, literally can't go car racing without that number. But for a lot of us, like you don't actually get that choice. You know, I've been. You know, car 12 at DJR for quite a few years. And before that, I was, you know, I was 17 for a, for a year. You know, I was 47 when I was with Slady at Super Oh, now yeah, that, that so. was, 
that was because James Rosenberg was born in 1947 and he owned the wreck and it was Tim Slade's little tip of the hat mm. to mm. James who had played who has played such a a huge role in in his career so that was always a a nice touch I do like the a bit of a balance that we have with where some pe- some drivers particularly the drivers of big status Shane Van Gisbergen, and will hold on to his 97 wherever he goes that's he's he's sort of cemented that as his number Greg Murphy I guess was maybe one of the pioneers of that with with 51 being uh, the number that he carried for yeah uh, quite a few years during mm. the during the back end of his full-time supercars career so that was uh, so I kind of like that and yeah there is a balance between the drivers that have their number but then the teams you know that if you go and drive for that team you're going to have to run that number and mm. you know there's a lot of obvious cases of that through the list with car 17 is probably the most famous one, the most long-standing one at Dick Johnson racing team 18. If you, if you drive for Charlie workout, there's half a chance you're going to be racing a number 18 car. Uh, Brad Jones racing that Brad always raced with number eight and Nick Perkout effectively the, the lead driver in that team is uh, still carries the uh, still carries the number eight. They've also got number 14, as well for Todd Hazelwood, which is a long time number for uh, for BJR, uh, John O'Webb, uh, nineteen. That's uh, that's their number. Actually, so the more I went through the list, the more sort of little questions that I had. So, as I said, I went and uh, spoke to a bunch of people through the pit lane, team owners and current drivers, to talk about their numbers and the significance of it so let me lead with jonathan webb from team sydney techno here's his favorite racing number and why i think it's always been 22 uh for me it was dad's race number from way back um there's just something about it. it's just kind of carried through the family good bad or otherwise so we weren't able to run it when we first come to supercars or for a long long time because of HRT Walkinshaw had it, but once they let it go, we grabbed it and I don't intend to let it go. So it's number 22 for John O'Webb, and of course, that's the number that Gary Jacobson carries now. They also have car number 19. Speaking of 19, the next bloke is Scotty Pye. Poor favourite racing number has to be 19 for me. It's, uh, personally, I mean, the, the look of it, I was never actually a huge fan of it on the cart. I always liked the number 20, but uh, my old man picked 19, so that's been my number for life. Six years old was when I got that. I think in karting you had to allocate uh, a number when you got your licence, so 19's mine. From Scotty Pye to Macaulay Jones, who is racing in the family team, but doesn't get the family number. Uh, I've been running number 14, it's sort of what I had through go-karting, but with Todd in the team, he was always 14 in cards, so we were always like racing to get our entries in first, but how it works out is he's got 14 at the moment, but anyway. So you ran 14 because of the family connection? 14 was a long-time BJR number, yeah? Yeah, it was a long-time BJR number, so I've sort of just picked that from the get-go and um, yeah, just ran with it from, from for a long time. What, what can you do to steal that number back off Todd? Is there some sort of bet, some sort of uh, deal you could try and cut? Yeah, I feel like we need to start cutting a deal and, and uh, see if we can work out something. But uh, yeah, at the moment, it'll it'll be stuck with him. 
And while we're talking about Joneses, let's stick with the Joneses. And I bumped into Andrew Jones, who unfortunately is not part of the commentary team, sadly missed, but he's still at the track, which is uh, fantastic. But his response to what his number was, was a little surprising. Uh, it's a very good question. Uh, didn't have one is the honest answer. Never really understood the, the purpose of a number and having one, to be honest, uh, until later on in life where, you know, the likes of Murph had 51 and it became a brand for him. But in go-karting, people were very, very passionate about their numbers. But for me, it, uh, it never contributed to the end result. So I didn't really worry about it too much. So there you go. Andrew Jones doesn't really care what number he's got. And Will Brown said pretty much exactly the same thing. I never really had, to be honest, a number that I just chose. In go-karts, it was three at the start and went to 31 because someone else entered as three. And then in cars, it went to 99 and then uh, now nine. So to be honest, there's no there's no exact number that I go for. So just go, go fast and number doesn't make, uh, make any difference. I'm not superstitious or anything like that. It doesn't bother me. No, red, no uh, lucky red undies. No. So there you go. Andrew Jones and Will Brown, both having not much care. It's just give me a steering wheel. Let me go racing. Tony, do you, you had that, that family connection. So I guess you kind of were brought up with, you know, having a, an affiliation or having a connection to a number. Yeah, I guess the fact that we ran our own cars uh, and sort of dictated what number we wanted to run most of the time. Um, I got that chance to be able to run uh, my favorite numbers, I guess. But if you're like someone like Will Brown, who's moving from team to team looking for opportunity, that's probably the least of his worries, to be honest, right now. He's just flat out trying to build his career. And maybe when he gets to... to Somewhere like a uh, Greg Murphy who won some Bathurst and some championships, he might hold on to a number and uh, you know be recognised because of that number. Get a little bit more sentimental in his old age. Fair enough. Yep. yep. Okay, I got one more young gun and then a couple of old dogs. The next guy that I spoke to was Nick Perkat. For me, it's always been triple two. Um, I ran two at Sonic. Um, and had great success there. And then when I was in the Walkinshaw stable, we already had two taken, 22 taken, so triple two was the, the next on. And I often daydream about having it on the BJR car, but I could never take the eight off it. So um, yeah, definitely triple two. So there you go. It's triple two for Nick Perkett. Pretty untraditional number, it's like three numbers. What do you think about three numbers for a um, for a motor car? Worked all right for triple eight. <laughs> all right, a couple of the old dogs. I bumped into Paul Morris, the dude, and his number. Oh, I had lots of different numbers, but I, whenever I could use the 67, I did because it was the year I was born. And you use that for most years during uh, your supercars. Did you run that while you were in junior formula as well? No, not really. I just run what I run what I was told to run, you know. You sort of, but obviously, when you get supercars, you can pick your own number, and no one had that, so I thought, yeah, that'd be a good thing to do. It doesn't really matter though, does it? Um, the, the, the racing number, does it make the car go any faster or uh, to, to give you a nice little feeling? What, what's your take? Yeah, I'd look, it doesn't matter, but you know, motor racing is a pretty emotional sport. So anything you can do to make yourself feel good when you're having a bad day, whether that's a number or the people around you, whatever, you, you need something to keep you going. So there you go, the dude was 67. And it's good that young Nash Morris, who made his Super 3 debut at Mount Panorama, 
on the weekend. He's also running 67 as well. A little tip of the hat to the old man. So I like that. Now, the last man, the man who's been uh, going through a, a little battle at the moment, a little prostate cancer battle, it's John Bow. Now, I'd had an idea that number 18 would be his thing. He currently uses it in TCM, made it famous at Dick Johnson Racing with uh, championships, uh, championship success back in the mid-90s and, and uh, always running super competitive for the, the DJR Shell team. But uh, I thought I'd just clarify with JB at Mount Panorama. Well, my racing number is 18. And it's 18 because I spent 11 years with Dick Johnson Racing, racing number 18. So I've had many, many numbers in my life, many numbers. Um, but I, I, when we were getting into Touring Car Masters, I thought, uh, why not use 18? I'm more remembered for 18 than anything else. So I suppose it's exploitation of my time with Dick Johnson. And there you go. It was, it is the number 18 for JB. There's, uh, that is the number that you, you remember him for, for sure. If you think back, that's where he enjoyed most of his, or, or, you know, all of his great success in, in, in supercars. So, uh, and look, it was, I think the best thing about it was the fact that, you know, we were there talking to JB and he looked like he was having such a great time, uh, still going through the process of uh, trying to defeat it. Um, but the, the touring car masters crew were all around him over the weekend. He had plenty of fan support. Uh, I'd tell you, he'd be like trending number three in Australian motorsport stars at the moment. He's getting so much social media love. So uh, he's being pepped up by everyone's uh, goodwill. Yeah. The motorsport community is amazing the way it, it gets together you know we've seen recently thomas randall as well go through some really hard times and everybody's really supported his cause and you know jb he's a legend of our sport he's at every racetrack every weekend doesn't matter whether it's a state series race or a club event or just a show and shine car <laughs> event or a coffee event or something he's if there's cars involved he's there it's his passion he loves it and People love having a chat with JB. So when he's going through a bit of a hardship, it's fantastic to see everyone pull together and really support him when he needs it. I mean, he's been around the track a long time though, Grant. I mean, mm. he doesn't, I don't think he's ever you know, just disclosed his age, but mate, he's, he's got to be about, I don't know, 92. <laughs> I'll tell you what, sometimes he acts like an 18 year old. He is young <laughs> at heart, that guy. Absolutely young at heart and a, and a true legend, a true legend. I've got something really special coming up uh, in the next couple of months as well, which includes JB. Um, and I'm looking forward to bringing that to, to everyone. This is the first time I've spoken about it publicly. I'm not talking any more about it, Tony D. Oh, We're not well. talking any more about it, but it is really special. Something that I had worked on or started working on during some of those deep dark COVID times that we're uh, seem to find ourselves coming out of but uh jb is going to be part of something pretty cool that i'm i'm going to put out pretty soon so uh look, looking forward, looking forward, to that. looking forward to that okay so hey, what's tell up you, next grant what's, what's up, up next well what's up next is as you would have heard at the very top of the show there's uh, some motor racing going on this weekend the uh amrs is racing up at sydney motorsport park race fuels will be there live on the ground and uh, also there's the Phillip Island historics 
it's on this weekend. They've got 350 competitors for that thing. It's wow. going to be massive. Um, what I'm going to do this weekend is I'm going to have the weekend off. <laughs> the following weekend, we're going to Phillip Island, hopefully. Yes. And we're going to go race some some TCRs, some S5000, some Trans Am, GT World Challenge Australia, Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge. The racing does not stop. And the week after that, we go to Sandown for the next round of supercars. You beauty. It is flat out. You hey, are you going to are you going to come to are you going to come to Sandown for the supercars? 100% I'll be there. I'll tell Definitely. you one thing you will not miss. Mm. Repco branding. It's <laughs> it's everywhere. It is everywhere. It's They've everywhere. Taken over. They taken did over. I tell you what, they did an awesome job at at Bathurst. They activated it it was uh, it was almost a soft launch for them, but even for a soft launch it was done so well and I can only see it growing and evolving. So uh, looking forward to their contribution. They had Sam Brabham driving around the circuit in the BT-19, the Brabham Repco that won the 1966 Formula One World Drivers Championship. That car is an absolute gem. It is perfect. It is in mint condition. It is easily... Australian motorsports most expensive car and to have Sam drive that car uh, arguably Australia's most famous race car around Australia's best racetrack was was really really cool to see really cool to see I actually got to spend a bit of time with Sam over the weekend and he's a damn good kid he's yeah. a really good kid and he'd like to do some um, some supercars as well he yeah, used I've to heard that. he used to be the housemate of Tim Blanchard so he started oh. to see how fast uh, Blanchard's car was going over the weekend and i think he was trying to spend a bit of extra time in their garage <laughs> i actually know Sam pretty well because we do well, i've done in the past a lot of driver training events together uh, he does a lot of stuff with mercedes benz dean from evolve as well he works for him all the time a part of their little team and he has said to me in the past he wants to try and do dvs and he wants to forge his forge a career in supercars so he's working pretty hard in the background and but just to get that opportunity on the weekend to drive uh the brabham around the circuit it was bloody cool i reckon it should just be the safety car from now on wow Can you imagine that the, the world's most expensive safety car that car is worth more than the entire grid of supercars <laughs> I tell you, that, that thing is so loud and how they drove it back in the day. I know uh, Jack Brabham was a, a little deaf in his uh, later years. I don't, don't, don't blame him. <laughs> I know exactly why with an engine that, that big sitting right behind your head, screaming yeah. lap after lap, weekend after weekend. Surprised he's got any eardrums left. There was one thing that we have missed from our regular uh, regular segment on Parked Up today, Tony, and it's the news. And we're just not going to do it because really the news was the, uh, the the supercars getting out on track for their opening round, the Repco Mount Panorama 500. It's great to see. So no news this week, but a plug, there was, there was a quick plug. Than... Let, me, let me just give you one quick plug for our friends at Motorsport Websites.com.au. Of course, always the best place to go and get your online look absolutely up to scratch they actually built the 
parkedup.com.au website where you can go back and find some of all our back catalogue of great content. So you can go back and listen to all of that. It's on the parkedup.com.au website, which was built by Motorsport website. So uh, help those who help us, Tony. <laughs> hey, I reckon we it's worth a mention. Angelo Mazuris. Yes. Is that how you say it? Yep. 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 Mate, he did a ripper job in quality to put the thing on pole against Brock Feeney in exactly the same equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really happy for him. And, and not that I'm, you know, against Brock Feeney or anything like that, but, you know, Brock has uh, got a lot of expectation on his shoulders and um, is seen as the next big thing. And I thought Angelo handled the pressure very well. And it has asserted himself as a, as a championship uh, contender now, I think. And uh, Jordan Boys did a very nice job in race two as well. So um, that championship, um, I thought this year it was going to be a little bit empty, but it's actually really exciting. Mm, yeah, that uh, the second race on Sunday was was an absolute cracker. There was mm. uh, there was it was going on all over the place. So it was awesome to watch. If you didn't watch the Dunlop Super Two Series racing. Go back and watch it, especially Sunday's race, because there was heaps of action. And you're right, no clear favourite. Um, mm. You know, the Matt White Motorsport team has always done a, an exceptional job. They've won the last two championships with Bryce Forward and Thomas Randall. But, you know, we knew that Bryce Forward was going to be good the year that he won, and we knew Thomas Randall was probably the favourite last year. This year, they've got Jaden Ojeda, who is mm. probably their fastest, the most experienced in the cars. He did a full season of Super 3 2019. He's, he's, ready, to take, he's ready to take that next step with... I think with uh, Josh White's Fife team. is, is going to be up there as well in, in the Matty White team. He should be, should be quick. He's done a few seasons now at BJR, so he's used to the cars uh, or used to a supercar. But he's just got to get his head around this Nissan a little bit more. But he should be quick. Yeah, Tyler Everingham. He was uh, qualified third both races. Awesome. Finished second in the in the second race. It's a terrific I, result for a young kid. I feel like this year is what the DVS Championship is all about: young guns having a crack, the next generation, next crop of drivers. Whereas in some of the previous years, we've had some like quite experienced guys in the development series that have got a, a big leg up on some of the young blokes. So I think this year is going to be going to throw some results up in the air. That that is for sure. And I don't know whether we're going to get a form guide just yet. Yeah, not yet. And Bathurst always very difficult to to get that form guide as well. You know, it's really a it's a difficult track to to kick off a campaign. So, mm. you know, next time we go back to Bathurst when it comes to the penultimate round of the championship supporting the the great race in October, there'll be, uh, yeah, it would have smoothed itself out by then. But, mm. you know, when we go to circuits like Winton and, and Townsville and the like, there, there's going to be, um, uh, I can see there being um, even more mix in there. Um, or it'd be good to see if someone actually uh, stamps their claim on it and um, and really goes out there and and, and gets into it. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one of the tastiest Super Two seasons that we've seen. Since it's still a two thousand and seven, I think, which was one of the great years, Tony. <laughs> one of the greats. And hey, good... I do want to mention though. Yeah, go. 
just whatever you like. Off. This is your, this is, you know, half your show, really. Sorry, sorry. I just want to quickly mention because I think it's worth a mention. Okay. Cameron Crick, Toyota 86, clean swept the weekend, three wins. Very, very good to see him uh, you know, really do a great job out there. Quality field and smoked him. Yep. Love it. So congratulations to Cal and I, how much work he puts in the background. And Grant, mm-hmm. he's part of our reaction performance team. Mm, I saw. So Lee Summation was working with uh, young Cameron and Borgie. Yep. And Borg, uh, who had some really good results over the weekend too. So uh, there must be something he's doing there that I've got to get my, my head around so I can get the clean sweep of the next TCR round. <laughs> Oh, well, I saw Lee Stimation up uh, up at Bathurst. He was uh, he was getting pretty excited about things. He tapped me on the belly as I walked through, so that wasn't a very good sign. Um, so he'll uh, he'll keep us fit and going. And uh, yeah, well, mate, he was working with the the Cedars boys over the weekend. Mm-hmm. They had an absolute cracker in the mm-hmm. in the um, in the, the Toyota racing. So. Um, yeah, that, yeah, some, some really cool racing in, uh, in that as well. It was, uh, t- the, I tell you the TCM racing, that was awesome. There was some I, really good racing. Over I the bloody weekend. missed it. I missed it. Tell me about it. Yeah. So, uh, plenty going on, plenty going on. The Falcon of Marcus Sakanovic was absolutely honking, but Roll <laughs> Harris bounced back after missing the Simmons Blaine's round. Unfortunately, he bounced back to take the win. Sukanovic got his first podium and there was just some really, really good racing up, up and down the field as well. So, um, I heard that, um, Stevie J had another little mechanical on his thing. Yeah. Yep. They're still, I think they're still coming to coming to grips with it. Mm-hmm. And he even, I think he came underweight as well in one of the races that had to start from the back and had to climb his way through. Nice to see true blue, even true blue two racing around, uh, Mount Panorama. So, or it might even be True Blue Three. They had to build nah, another one. Of the, I know they call it two, but there was two True Blue cars that uh, oh, okay. the Dick used way back in the day. Anyway, True Blue again. The um, yeah, that that I, I thought that you know the weekend was really good. The first supercars race was 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 great. There was heaps of stories. Mm. You know the the Slade story, the highs and lows of of that was was really good. Anton having his incident while running in, in podium contention, trying to chase down the other guys. That was, uh, you know, interesting little story there. And it's a couple of good about battles. It's not all about the crashes, mate. It's not about the crashes. I just got into the, uh, there was a couple of good battles. Sunday's race was, a. I think everyone had kind of found their spot, but mm. that's, that's Bathurst for you. That's mm. Bathurst. You know, the, the guys who were 10th were, you know, they finished some 40 or 50 seconds down off the, off the leaders. So um, some big gaps out there, some big, big gaps between those who have and those who do not. But um, yeah, I think the, the level will come when we get to circuits like uh, Sandown and Winton mm. and those places, you know, there's going to be some, some great racing this year. Hey, the next time we talk about real racing, it's going to be TCR. So uh, looking forward to yeah. Phillip Island and hopefully we can get uh, some fans down there to check out Tony oh. D take his first trophy of the year. I thought you were going to say, hopefully you see me on the podium in the first. That's what I said. see me at the front of the grid. No, you see, <laughs> so, want to see fans before you see me get a podium. I mean, geez, get oh, your priorities okay. straight here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> cool, mate. What's ahead for your week? 
Nah, nothing really. Boring. Nothing. Just I'm just gonna sit at home and wait wait till the next race. Okay. No. Nah. <laughs> I'm joking. No. We've got some work to do tomorrow, actually. So, uh, yeah. Let's get into it. Better get into Kiss it. But um, for now. Kissing babies' like heads night. and stuff. It's, yeah, a little bit of that. Uh, looking after some uh, sponsors of mine. Okay. Um, but for now, it's 10 o'clock at night and time for me to get my beauty sleep. Okay. That's it. Parked up. Powered by Race Fuels. Race Fuels, who saved my bacon coming home from Bathurst today. <laughs> I love you guys. Mark Tini and young Daniel. They, uh, they're my heroes for the day. So uh, big love to them. Uh, big love to all of our, uh, our I listeners. Think, I think you need to go give your wife some big love after you just uh, crash the family car <laughs> and come home and just got straight back on the computer to, to record a pod. There we go. Hey, You're a brave man. Bloody break. Aren't yeah. I? Aren't I? I didn't tell her I was recording Admitted a pod. To the cause. I didn't tell her I was recording a pod. I just told her I was um, going to the toilet, but um, she probably <laughs> thinks I've fallen in. That's right, it. Get out of here. We're out. All the best, See everyone. You, Bye.